Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, one of the, sometimes at least one of the hardest things to do is getting out of bed in the morning and beginning another day of work, whether it's work in the home or at school or on the farm or in the office, wherever. Could be because it was a rough night, maybe the kids were up half the night. Or it could even be because it was actually a really restful night. Sometimes a good, refreshing rest makes it even harder to get up and, and to go to work because you don't want the rest to end. But we have to anyway. And so the alarm clock rings harshly. Mom or dad calls loudly, time to get up, school day today. And when you don't get up right away, what do they do? They come in the room and they, they flick the light on. At first glance, that's a little bit like how the beginning of our text in Matthew 11 can feel. In verse 28, Jesus has just tenderly invited sinners to himself. He has just said, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What a tender invitation. What a beautiful promise. Rest. Refreshment. That sounds so good for the laboring and heavy laden, for the weary and the burdened ones. And this morning we had the opportunity to to reflect on that rest and even to experience that rest in a special way at the Lord's table. What a gift it is, how how wonderful it is to experience that forgiveness, that freedom from, from slavery to sin and to Satan, that freedom from the fear of death, that sweet communion with God already now and and. The hope of glory one day, perfectly, forever. Maybe there was a part of you that just just wanted to stay there and to meditate on that rest, to enjoy that rest for a little longer. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and, and I will give you rest. And then our text. It's almost a little jarring, even a little disturbing. Take my yoke upon you. What is Jesus doing here? He's giving instruction, isn't he? He's calling the people to work, to service. That's what the yoke refers to. You know, sometimes an animal or or a pair of animals, usually oxen, would would wear a yoke, a wooden beam or a, a frame of sorts which was attached to a plow or to a cart or something else. Now we use tractors, of course, to pull plows. But they didn't have tractors back then. And so they had these yokes that animals would wear. And there were also yokes that people could wear too to help them carry a a heavy load by by balancing it. And so sometimes it was a a pole that would would sit across your shoulders and you could carry a load on either end, maybe a bucket of water on on both ends. Yoke would would help you to carry it. But either way, whichever yoke you might think of, the yoke was a symbol of work, a symbol of service, and, and even if you look back into the Old Testament, it's a, it's a yoke of slavery. It's a, it's a symbol of slavery. And so it seems a, a bit disturbing that Jesus, right after promising rest to all who come to him just as they are, laboring and heavy laden, it, it seems disturbing a little that he suddenly instructs them to take his yoke upon them, to serve A beloved, Christ's tone doesn't suddenly change in verses 29 to 30. 
It doesn't go from gentle and inviting in verse 28 to hard and steely in verse 29. No, it remains gentle. His instruction is clear, yes. It's firm, yes. But it's not harsh. It's gentle. It's laced with tenderness. What our text, Matthew 11, verses 29 to 30, teaches us is this. Jesus is not only a tender Savior, He's also a tender Master, a tender Lord. And that, with, together with the Lord's Supper that many of us could witness and partake of this morning, that should encourage us, that should encourage us to serve Him eagerly. To put it another way, if you want a one-sentence summary of, of what this message is about tonight, Lord willing, with God's help. Because our Lord Jesus Christ is not only a tender Savior, but also a tender Master, we should serve Him eagerly. So our theme then for this post-communion sermon with God's help is Jesus' tender instruction to serve Him. First, we'll consider the submission he tenderly calls for. Secondly, the care he tenderly guarantees. And thirdly, the encouragement he tenderly stresses. So first, the submission. The submission he tenderly calls for. In the first part of verse 29, Jesus says what I've already quoted, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And the yoke, as, as I already mentioned as well, was a, a symbol, a picture of service and of submission. When animals wore a yoke, it meant they were expected to serve their owner who would be driving the plow or the car. They were to serve their owner, submit to his direction, to his instruction. They were, they were expected to submit to their master's will. And so when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, he's calling for our submission to himself, to his service, and to his instruction. In congregation, we need to recognize that. A Christian, a Christian is not someone who only comes to Jesus for rest, for forgiveness, and then, and then lives in whatever way he or she wants because, hey, we're saved by grace. Because we, we have Jesus. Jesus paid it all, so we're all good. Yes, Jesus has paid it all. But when he calls you to himself, he not only gives you rest and and forgiveness and and reconciliation and a relationship with God and a place in heaven, he also calls you into his service. So claiming to be a Christian and at the same time not personally serving Christ, not personally submitting to him and to his word is a contradiction. Our text makes that very clear. Christ calls for, he commands submission to himself as our master and teacher. Submission to his service, submission to his instruction. But, but that submission, beloved, is a submission he calls for so tenderly. You see, he calls for this submission. He calls for your submission and for my submission, our service to him in light of his promise of rest. Did you notice that? Christ doesn't call us to take up his yoke and learn of him first. He doesn't say, come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and take my yoke upon you and learn of me. And then I will give you rest. 
No. He first makes this glorious promise of rest, of refreshment, of renewal, of restoration. And then he says, as it were, now, now take my yoke upon you and learn of me. His promise comes first, and then his call and his command. Not in contradiction to his promise, but in light of it. He calls for submission to his service and instruction in light of his promise of rest. It's important to remember that. You see, it's easy for us to read the Bible and to hear all the things that Christ calls us to do and and sometimes to begin to feel exhausted and discouraged just hearing it. Just think about what he calls us to do in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5 to 7. He calls us not to be angry with our brother without a cause. He calls us to be reconciled to our brother. He calls us not to look with lust. He calls us to keep our word. He calls us to to turn the other cheek when someone smacks the one. He calls us to give freely and generously to the needy. He calls us to love our enemy. He calls us to be perfect, even as our Father in heaven is perfect. He calls us to give money to the needy and to pray and to fast, not hypocritically, not for man's praise, but humbly and sincerely for God's glory. He calls us to lay up treasures for ourselves, not on earth, but in heaven. He calls us not to be anxious about our needs, but to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and and to trust him to supply. I could go on, but you get the picture. It's all part of Christ's yoke that he calls us to take. It's all part of his teaching that he calls us to learn and to obey. And you say, how in the world do I do that? How can I do any of that? And if, if that's our starting point, then we, we can be tempted to begin to start to think hard thoughts of Christ. You start to think of him as a hard master. You start to think of his service as, as too difficult, as impossible, as unrealistic. And maybe you start to complain about the yoke a little. And eventually, perhaps, you set it down. And you say, I just can't do it. Haven't you ever done that? But you see, when we do that, when we're tempted to think that the Lord Jesus is a hard master, that his call to submission is unsympathetic and uncaring, this is what we need to remember. Christ calls for submission to himself in light of his promise of rest. The same rest that was signed and sealed to us again in the Lord's Supper this morning. A rest that refreshes us. A rest that renews our strength, like Isaiah 40 says, so that we can mount up with wings like eagles, so that we can run and not be weary, so that we can walk, yes, also walk, carrying, taking up the yoke of Christ and not faint. You see, beloved, Christ calling us to submit to his service and instruction is not a call to submit in our own strength. He knows we cannot. And that's why, that's why he first calls us to come to him. And he promises that when we do, he will give us rest. He will refresh us. He is not a hard, an uncaring, an unfeeling master. He is a tender one. 
The submission he calls for from us is a submission to himself in light of his promise of rest. But it's also, congregation, it's also a loving submission in response to his gift of rest. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, I will put my yoke upon you. He says what? Take. Take my yoke upon you. Do you see the difference? Christ doesn't want unwilling submission. He wants willing submission. He wants loving submission. He wants joyful submission. He wants thankful submission. He wants the kind of submission that is a a loving response to His love, to His mercy and grace. That's what He wants. That's what He calls for. Have you received rest from Him? Have you gone to Him and received forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God, fellowship with Him, hope of glory? Did you receive rest this morning as you partook of the the bread and the wine? Then shouldn't you be thankful for that? And shouldn't you respond to His love and His grace? Shouldn't you respond to His gift of rest and refreshment with loving A gift, by the way, that cost him so much. Don't forget that. Shouldn't we respond with loving, cheerful, willing, eager submission to him? Shouldn't we take his yoke upon us and learn of him? Notice how he makes clear that it's not just any yoke. It's not just any yoke that he calls them to take. It's not the old yoke. It's not the old burden, the burden of of sin and the burden of God's judgment. It's not the legalistic yoke of the Pharisees that we see displayed in Matthew 12. It's His yoke. The yoke appointed by the one who invites all who labor and are heavy laden to come to Him and who promises to give them rest and refreshment. Doesn't that yoke, doesn't His yoke sound like a really good yoke to take up? And it's not just any instruction we're called to learn. It's His instruction. He is the teacher. And He is a tender Savior. He is also, as Matthew Henry points out, He's also, in a sense, the lesson. The lesson. What better teacher and lesson could there be than Him? Oh, then, congregation, shouldn't we be busy? Shouldn't we be busy with His yoke? Also this week. Shouldn't we be busy with his instruction? Shouldn't we be busy daily reading his word, in his word, meditating on his word, asking him to help us to understand it, and and depending upon his strength to help us obey it? Don't we owe him everything? Yet we can still hesitate, can't we? Submitting to him can be, in a certain sense, it can be a little frightening. What will he ask me to do? And how can I know he'll help me in it? Well, here we come to our second point. We've seen the submission he tenderly calls for, and now let's notice the care that he tenderly guarantees. We see this in the second half of verse 29. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Why? For I am meek and lowly in heart. 
and ye shall find rest unto your souls. What a beautiful, reassuring statement. A statement where Christ here is really tenderly guaranteeing his care as we submit to his yoke and learn of or learn from him. And he does that in the first place by revealing his character. He describes himself as meek and as lowly in heart. As I mentioned in the bulletin, this is the only place in Scripture where the heart of Christ is named. Jesus is in this text, as it were, he's, he's bearing his heart for, for, all, for us to see, for all of us to see. And what do we see it there? What does he show us? He showed us a heart that is characterized by meekness and lowliness. What does that mean? Some translations say, translated as gentle and lowly in heart. And that really helps capture it, the the word gentle there. The Lord Jesus is showing us here that, that as we take up his yoke and as we learn of him, he will care for us. He won't be harsh or impatient with us but he will gently lead us and guide us. Psalm 25, verse 8 says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore will he teach sinners. Think of that. He will teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment and the meek will he teach his way. The point is the Lord Jesus will gently care for us as we willingly follow him as we take up his yoke and learn of him. He's not like a teacher. I hope, I hope no one here has had a teacher like this, but it's possible. He's not like a teacher who gets impatient with his students when they don't get it right away. Think of how he showed meekness with his disciples. They were so slow to understand so much of his teaching. But he didn't yell at them. He didn't say, why don't you get it? No, he bore with them in his compassion. Yes, at times he was firm with them, but he kept patiently teaching them. He kept correcting them, not just once, but over and over and over again. Leading them step by step by his word and example. He washed their feet with a picture of gentleness, of lowliness. Yes, he even gave his life He even gave his life for them. He gave his life for Peter, whom he knew would deny him, and for his other disciples, whom he knew would would flee from him and leave him alone to suffer by himself. How meek, how gentle the Lord Jesus was and is. And that should encourage us. That should encourage us then as we hear him call us to take his yoke upon us, and and as we hear his call to learn of him, then to Listen, and to do exactly what he says. He is meek and he is also lowly in heart. He is humble. How encouraging that is also, isn't it? You know, we read in earlier in, in Matthew 11, the, the criticism of, the, of the, uh, his generation. And one of the criticisms was that he was a friend of Jesus was a friend of publicans and sinners. It was a criticism. It was meant as a, as a, as a, as a barb, as a, as a jab at Christ, but for Christ it was his glory. 
Oh, he loves to eat and drink with sinners. He shows his willingness to guide and to teach the most sinful, the most most lowly, the weakest, the most despised even person who comes to him. And you think of his humility also in relation to you children. He is willing to teach you. He is willing to, to lead you and to guide you, to care for you. What a beautiful glimpse Jesus gives into his heart. What meekness, what gentleness, what humility emanates, radiates from, from his heart. And what an encouragement that is then to come to him and to take up his yoke and to learn of him. He will care for you. He will never deal harshly with you. We, we didn't read it, but if you look later on in Matthew 12 and verse 20, Matthew tells us how, how, how gentle and meek Jesus is in, in terms of the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy, referring to, to the Messiah as a servant. He, he says, and I'm just jumping in in the middle of, of, his, of Isaiah's prophecy there, but verse 20 especially, a bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. Now you tell me, can you have a better master or a better teacher than that? Christ tenderly guarantees his care, not only by the revelation of his gentle and lowly character, but also also with his gracious promise. He says not only that he is meek and lowly in heart, but he also says this, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Do you see what he's saying, congregation? He's saying serving him, submitting to him, isn't the end of rest. It isn't the end of, of the refreshment that he gives us of the peace that he gives? No, it's the way to more rest. It's the way to experience his ongoing refreshment. Serving him is the way to greater blessing. And we so often forget, we, we so often ignore that. And Isn't that the reason so often that we, we don't serve Christ as we should? We so easily think that we know better, that our way is the way to blessing. But Christ here is so tenderly reminding us that the way of obedience to Him, the way of service and of submission to Him is the best way. It's the way of blessing, the way of rest and refreshment. What an incentive that is to serve Him. We don't even deserve it. Because it's our duty. It's our duty to serve God. It's our duty to serve Christ. He doesn't owe us anything for that. And yet Christ here tenderly promises this reward, a gracious reward. Do you see see how tender, beloved, his instruction, his instruction to serve him is? Does that not lead you to want to serve him all the more eagerly? But can I do it? Am I able to take his yoke upon me? Am I able to carry the cross, the burden that he calls me to carry? Is his service not too difficult? Well, this brings us to our third and last point, the encouragement Jesus so tenderly stresses. Look with me here at verse 30, where Jesus concludes his call to serve him with these words. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You see what he's doing? He's not only, he doesn't only tenderly guarantee his care, he, he also gives, he stresses his encouragement. He says the same thing really twice. He's, he's making a point. 
He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You say, how can that be? Well, in part at least, Christ is saying that in comparison to the Pharisees. That in comparison to the Pharisees, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You see that demonstrated in chapter 12. That's why we read it together. The yoke of the Pharisees was hard to wear and their burden was hard to bear. Why? Because they had added all kinds of external rules that they they, they thought needed to be met in order to be saved and, and they missed the whole heart of the law. The heart of the law is love, is to show mercy. And so their yoke was heavy, their their burden was was hard to bear because it didn't have that. And in contrast to that, Jesus says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And yet in a certain sense, we can still ask the question, how can that be? I mean, isn't Christ's standard, isn't his standard perfection, isn't it perfect obedience to God's law? Well, of course that's true. In in that sense, his yoke isn't easy and his burden isn't light, at least not according to our sinful flesh. But you see, for the Christian, for the one who has come to Christ and who has received rest, who has received salvation, for the one to whom Christ has, has, uh, to to whom Christ has given rest, it's all changed. If you're a Christian, your, your service to Christ is hardly a yoke or a burden at all. Because you see, the first, in the first place, you're not serving Christ to earn your salvation. You're not serving Christ in order to earn your way out of hell into heaven. No, you're serving Christ because He has already saved you. He has already forgiven you. He has already reconciled you to God. Undeserving as you were of that. And nothing can undo that. And so you serve God, you serve Christ simply out of thankfulness to Him for what He has done, for giving Himself for you, even to the death of the cross, which we remembered this morning with the Lord's Supper. It's the love of Christ, Christ's love for you and and your love in response to Christ that constrains you to serve Him. So that then, as 1 John 5 verse 3 says, His commandments are not burdensome. They are a delight. We don't take Christ's yoke upon ourselves to earn our salvation. We do it out of thankfulness for the salvation that he has earned for us. But there's another reason why his yoke is easy and his burden is light. When we come to Christ, beloved, he gives us a new nature. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, if if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature or a a new creation. And that new nature, that that new creation is is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. And that's why Paul says in Romans 7 that he delights in the law of God after the inward man. For such a person, for a Christian, Christ's yoke then you see is easy. His burden is light. There are times, yes, there are times where it doesn't always feel that way. Because our flesh battles hard. But in comparison to the glory that awaits us, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Christ here stresses the easiness, or you could say the pleasantness of his service. And it is pleasant to the new man. But we do still have the flesh to deal with. Sometimes obedience to Christ can be hard. 
but the other reason then it's easy. Or what makes it easy, what makes it light, is not just the, the new nature that we have in Christ. It's also the helper that he gives us. You see, when we belong to Christ by faith in him, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, comes and dwells in us. And he strengthens us and he empowers us and he helps us to take up Christ's yoke and to bear his burden. Oh, beloved, do you see how tenderly Christ, in, Christ encourages us here? How he stresses this encouragement. You know, in 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul calls the believers there to holiness and to sanctification. He says this, this is the will of God, even your sanctification. And that includes, he says, in the context of 1 Thessalonians 4, that includes also uh, abstaining from fornication, from, from sexual immorality. It includes, and holiness includes sexual purity. For God, he says, has not called us to, or has, has called us not to uncleanness, but, but unto holiness. And then he says this, to encourage them in that, he, he reminds them that God also has given us his Holy Spirit. And that's our encouragement, beloved, not just in, in that area, but in every area of, of our sanctification. We have the Holy Spirit to help us, to give us the strength, to pull, to take up the yoke, as it were, with us. Oh, in light then of the encouragement Christ so tenderly stresses, should we not go from here, beloved, eagerly taking up Christ's yoke, confidently looking to, to the Spirit, looking to Christ, and learning of Him? Well, in closing, congregation, let me just address those of you who are here yet and still have not come to Christ at all. You hear this and you think this is ridiculous. A yoke, a burden. You look at Christians and all you see, what you see is a yoke that's too, too hard to bear, too hard to take up, a burden that's too heavy. Oh, that you would see. Oh, that God would open your eyes to see how much harder your own yoke is. And your own burden, how much heavier your own burden is. If you are here tonight and you are a stranger from Christ, you are under the yoke of bondage to sin and to Satan. You are under the burden of God's judgment and wrath. It's not our yoke. It's not the yoke of Christians that is hard. It's yours. But Christ says to you today, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He will break that yoke of bondage to sin and to Satan off your neck and he will cut off the burden from your back and he will give you rest and the yoke he will call you to take up in, in its place. The burden that he will call you to bear will be nothing in comparison. It will be incomparably sweet because it's his yoke, because it's his burden. The one who is meek, gentle, and lowly in heart. Amen. Let us pray. O oh Lord our God, we give thanks. 
We give so much thanks that you have given power and authority over all things unto your Son, Jesus Christ, so that we may be encouraged to go to him, to go to him with the sins that we carry, and to have them taken away, to have them forgiven, to have them washed away and cleansed in the blood of Christ. So that we are given a rest, a rest that nothing, no other rest in the world can compare to. Not even the best night's sleep. A refreshing rest, a fellowship with the Lord. And so, Lord, we pray that as we have also heard the call this evening to take up our yoke take up Christ's yoke, rather, and to learn of him. And now we've heard how tenderly Christ instructs us to do so. Lord, that our, no one here would resist and push against it or walk away from it. But Lord, that each person here would go out of this sanctuary with a yoke on his shoulders. Not the yoke, not the burden of sin, the yoke of Christ, of submission to him. We thank you for the heart of Jesus revealed in our text. Yet he is meek and lowly in heart. And so, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us by your Holy Spirit to carry whatever burdens you call us to carry, to take your, your yoke upon ourselves, to learn of Christ. And so, Lord, we ask this not in our own name, but in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll sing in closing Psalter 398. Psalter 398, all the verses. <clears throat>